I'm Sasha Henriquez, and in this episode, we focus on lead pollution, a problem that, according to the U.S.-based environmental health group Blacksmith Institute, affects approximately 120 million people worldwide. 18 children died from lead poisoning in Senegal last year, and dangerous levels of lead are found in children in some 80 countries, including the Caribbean island of Jamaica. The International Center for Environmental and Nuclear Sciences, with support from the IAEA, has been investigating the levels of lead poisoning in Jamaican children for almost a decade. I spoke with Charles Grant, the chief reactor operator at ISENS, and began by asking him where the lead was coming from. We have one which was a naturally occurring phenomenon. It was an old lead mine that was, maybe they stopped mining there a couple hundred years ago. But where they reprocessed lead, or processed the lead in fact, the local community unknowingly built a little school on it. So the children were basically being exposed to um, mine waste. Um, the other major source has been the smelting or recovery of lead from lead acid batteries. And in the whole smelting process, the people have managed to contaminate quite large areas. And they have generally been doing this in their backyard. So once again, the children were directly exposed. Lead poisoning has a number of symptoms, including tiredness, headaches, aching bones and muscles, forgetfulness, loss of appetite and trouble sleeping. Shireen Thompson's two children were poisoned by a backyard lead smelter her husband operated. Shireen says she was puzzled when her eldest, Sasha Gay, began acting strangely. Sasha Gay, she was like two years old at the time. She started to vomit, so I took her to the children's hospital. She spent like around three weeks in there and she developed seizure in there. So that's when them started to find out about the lead, but they didn't really educate me that much about it. So they got give her medication, whatever, and send her home. But she was still having like behavior problems. You understand? She was actually like a retardation problem. Yeah, she just do stuff and all of that. I don't understand why she's doing it, but. Extreme cases of lead poisoning can cause convulsions, coma, delirium, and possibly death. But as Blossom Anglin Brown, head of the University of the West Indies Health Center, explains, Symptoms are sometimes completely absent until it's too late. When we have lead toxicity, the children are either very sick, meaning that they're comatose, they're fitting, and so on, and they're in hospital. But it's a very sneaky element. You don't show anything. But over the years, this thing is building up in your body and your IQ falls and falls. It isn't an acute effect that we expect to see. So that's why we try to get the levels down quickly because you're not going to look sick, say like you have the flu or something like that, but eventually it's going to affect you. Globally, lead pollution is a problem affecting the urban poor. In Jamaica, Children in low-income and squatter settlements were the ones principally affected when high unemployment pushed adults to recycle lead-acid automobile batteries in homes and communal spaces in order to earn a living. Children can absorb up to 10 times more lead than adults. In Jamaica, children who were also suffering from poor nutrition were most vulnerable. If a child doesn't have enough calcium in them, they will take up more lead because in that respect, lead and calcium are sort of similar, and that lead will go into the bone. Also, if nutrition is poor, in addition to the better absorption of lead, the consequences of that, when you add them to malnutrition, make everything worse. 
ICEN's Director General, Gerald Leila. To try and minimize the effects for children in poor neighborhoods, ICENS and the UWE Health Center began public education campaigns in Kintar and Mona Commons, communities with some of the worst cases of lead poisoning on the island. We had various town meetings trying to get the parents involved, you know, telling them you mightn't see something obviously wrong with your children at this time, but this could affect the children later on. Apart from town meetings, we had like a health fair and tell them about one, their diet, tell them about cleaning of their um, environment, because that's important. Proper diet, rich in protein. It's like educating a whole community. Head of the University of the West Indies Health Center, Blossom Anglin Brown. But not everyone understood the gravity of the situation. Desreen Mitchell is the principal of the Kintar Basic School, which along with the surrounding community was unknowingly built on the site of an abandoned lead mine. Say for instance here, because the people mm -hmm. living in Oak Flat, they will see the school as a problem, but they don't see themselves that are living next door to the mine. To the mine. That, that the they are at risk. I remember when this thing started up, people were saying, look how long we live here, I don't know where they come from, where they go with that, that, you know, yeah. they move and go a money-making business. I remember yes. one young man the child came out with a same. big block of lead and said mm -hmm. that he wants to sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can make some money for it. And I said, to do yeah. what? Who's going to buy that? I said, you don't even have an idea what you're having in here, what you're holding. Who oh, this can make things and him not get rid of the PM for it. Unlike some other contaminants, lead never disappears on its own. When it's in the body, chelation is necessary to remove it. And when it's in the soil, the ground has to either be removed to a toxic waste site or covered over with layers of concrete. All in all, treatment for lead pollution and lead poisoning is a long-term commitment, a commitment that is often prohibitively expensive. We have come across a number of children not sick enough at all. I mean, they're not sick, but the blood lead levels are maybe about twice what we would like to have. But you see, to lower them would require some medical surveillance, better food, better environment for them, cleaning up things and the rest of it. Now, we've done booklets and so on, and we tell the parents what to do and the rest of that. And I think they do it for three months. But we don't have the facilities, and it really can't be our job to do this type of public health screening and to continue it up. It comes down to a matter of money and will. Director General of ISENS, Gerald Leila. ISENS work is supported by the IAEA and funded by the Environmental Foundation of Jamaica, the Jamaican government, the Inter-American Development Bank, the Chase Foundation and the University of the West Indies. Rick Castens, head of one of the Latin America sections in the IAEA Department of Technical Cooperation, says the IAEA is providing much-needed training and equipment to member states through local scientific institutes like ISENS in order to solve the problems brought on by increased industrialization. There really isn't a solution that you could bring off the shelf from North America or Europe to a country like Jamaica to assist them in exploring and understanding how lead gets into and how it contaminates food and how it affects children. Because those types of studies occurred in the United States many, many years ago. It's no longer a relevant problem. It's a problem for developing countries. So part of the approach here is to, to enable and empower these institutions and these developing country scientists to be able to apply scientific methods to development problems 
And increasingly, the problems that are affecting the broadest number of constituents in these countries are environmental type problems. Problems that occur because of changes in climate, changes in water, water patterns, precipitation patterns, changes in the way people move on the basis of technology and transport. So this process that the agency supports and has supported for the better part of 50 years is to enable science to solve the development problems in developing countries. Over the last 20 years, the IAEA has operated 32 projects in 51 countries dealing with various aspects of heavy metal pollution and the effects on humans and the environment. There are now eight projects ongoing in 25 countries.